Non-binary persons, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Fleur and Terry Bolia. This podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. Our host's past performance are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything discussed in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler. I'm a rebel just for kicks now since 1966 now. (laughs) Actually since 1963, but I probably didn't start rebelling until after 1966, so that's fair. Welcome to episode 63 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If you are just joining us for the first time, I'm your never so humble, but always humbled by the kindness of my listeners host, TRG. Thank you for taking some time to join me today. We have a very straightforward episode on hand, a very, very simple battle plan. We are going to start with a moment of Casino Wisdom and revisit Casino Wisdom number 19 from a different point of view. We are going to do a core concept segment, spelling combat and concepts with a K for fiduciary reasons, as always. In that segment, I'm going to share with you some additional techniques I employ when using TRG Wagering System to always be grinding. And I'll give you another example table as I did last week so we can continue to understand how the system behaves in actual play conditions. As always, we have a we will have a travel segment to discuss the week's results and Virtual drinks in the virtual VIP lounge with a story about a time I intentionally played blackjack as poorly as possible to make a point. Before I get those segments started, Guardian and the Jet did not check in this week, but we do have a couple of things going on in the Casino Combat Galaxy. First up, for the second episode in a row, it is my privilege and honor to inform you that after extensive effort and research, Aussie Alba is 7th to the ring and the newest member of the Casino Combat Inner Circle. One Sunday morning, you may recall, I've told this story before, I did some gambling at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas with someone from Australia who was in town as he always was once a year. In this case, he was with his daughter to celebrate her birthday, her first trip, but he always came from Australia once a year, stayed for a week, and earned diamond status with Caesars so that the next year's trip would once again be a free trip for him a very casino combat approach to casino gambling. You may recall that after a fun morning, he and I parted ways so I could take Mrs. TRG to brunch, and as we left, he told me I was a right good mate. It's a memory I've always kept and cherished, that uh, making of friends from across the globe by virtue of gambling. And I, and I recount that because um, Aussie Alba and I have very much become mates, as he would say, as he researched and studied to figure out gambling in North America enough to figure out where my home casino was and to join the inner circle. And it's a lot of fun to get notes from him when I check my email in the morning. It's kind of become an ongoing dialogue between us and in a relationship that I'm, I'm really enjoying having. He claims that he's learning from me and he very generously went to anchor.fm slash casino combat and used the support button to make a donation to the podcast, which I, I very much appreciate, obviously. But in truth, I've learned a great deal about gambling in Australia from him at the same time. Things that I get to share with all of you as well. We will hear about some of that later during our moment of casino wisdom. A2 has continued to email me, as I said, a couple of times a week, sharing his gambling adventures and his uses of the things I discuss here. 
as he would say, and as I just said, um, it's what mates do. And it's wonderful to watch this podcast create allies around the globe. Aussie Alba recently got, in his words, casino crushed. Crushed, uh, crushed spelled with a K, of course, um, in his note to me. He intended to use my lose three in a row and leave technique from TR Wagering System number one when he entered the casino. But he didn't remember Casino Wisdom number 37, which teaches us to have fun, but pay attention to the details. Here is his description of what happened. He says, I wanted to play blackjack, and as a spot opened up, this guy moves in at the same time as me. I said, oh, you want to play? As he was to the side, and I was directly behind the seat. He said yes, so I said, go ahead, I can watch you lose your money as easily as I can lose mine. He laughed and sat down and put out $50 for a $10 minimum bet table. So obviously this gentleman is not a listener because that is not nearly enough money to give yourself a fair chance of winning at blackjack. He then proceeded to play horribly saying, I don't know what I'm doing. This was very evident as he didn't know basic strategy based on how he played. He kept turning around to me talking about where I was from and where he was from, etc., etc. Another seat opened up at the last position at last base. He was in the middle of the five. I had listened to Casino Combat on the way up about how to bet and the three loss walk away method. When I sat down, this guy chatted about all sorts of stuff from taking photos at Loch Ness in Scotland of him with a kilt up around the side and it was put on a postcard saying, you should see my monster at Loch Ness. And then he puts in parentheses, look up on the net as a monster's a tale about this loch, which is Scottish for lake. I'm very familiar with that. I included his note in case any of you are not familiar with the legend of the Loch Ness Monster. Back to his story. This gentleman told him, he said he sold thousands of postcards as that was what he did, sell postcards. The ironic thing is, he wasn't Scottish, he was Irish. So all this rubbish coming out of this guy made me lose my count and concentration, and I was down a bit. So when eventually he lost his money, I thought, thank goodness, he will get lost now. He got up, I said goodbye, and I thought, great, I can concentrate now, I thought he was gone. Nope, this ass sets up shop right behind me and pitched in with more crap as I tried to play. I lost my count, never realized my chips were nearly out, and left with nothing. Moral of the story for me was, it's okay to have fun and a bit of chat if it's about the cards, but don't let anyone distract you to the point where you want a hole to appear under them and wave goodbye as they disappear down it. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, not an expression I've ever heard before. Just leave and find another table. A good application of casino combat. And a lesson learned the hard way and getting casino crushed, spelled with a K or a C, is never fun. That said... Based on other information that Aussie Alba has shared with me, over time he's taken plenty of money out of the casino and is still a profitable gambler. Sometimes we gamble for profit, sometimes we gamble for points, sometimes we gamble for education. It sounds like A-squared unintentionally gambled for education without realizing it. But we all profited by hearing a great story about our new Inner Circle member, and we get to be educated, informed, and informed by his experiences. If you're new to the podcast and you're wondering what this inner circle thing is all about, when I started creating the podcast, I intended to include some games that I didn't know if anybody would ever find or not. They're discussed in episode 22 in detail, but one of the games involves determining the name and location of my home casino, which is currently Casino 2. You get three guesses, three applications to try to get it right. If you do, you join the inner circle. A-squared needed all three guesses, by the way, but he was very close with his first guess, actually incorrectly naming my local casino, not my home casino. But he was very close from a world away. I still find it amazing that he managed to sort it out from the other side of the globe. 
If you'd like to join A2 and become a member of the Inner Circle, I encourage you to listen to episode 22 and then start comparing descriptions, distances, and brands to find my home casino. Golden Fan uh, kicked it all off when she discovered the game, played, and became our first Inner Circle member. There's one more item I want to talk about that I've observed in the Casino Combat Galaxy recently, involving changes to how slot payouts are being handled by some casinos. Supposedly, the pandemic has caused a coin shortage in the United States. And I say supposedly because while I'm sure it was an issue a year ago, I'm not sure I'm convinced it's still an ongoing issue. Regardless, some casinos from various brands, so I'm not picking on any one brand here, some casinos from some brands have stopped putting coins in the machines that accept your slot ticket and give you your winnings. Instead, instead, if your slip says, say, $130.73, the machine pays out the $130 in paper money and then pauses, flashing a take your money on the screen. And then when you take your money, it waits a, a bit and then a slip is printed out that's worth 73 cents. It's difficult for me to not believe this is the alleged coin shortage being used to increase the casino's bottom line. And this happens in a couple of ways. First, I've seen people take the slip, look at it, read what it says, then look at the line at the cage and decide that the pennies of value on the slip are not worth their time in line. So money the house lost ends up staying in the house's pockets. The other thing I've observed is that people don't understand what is going on. They take the paper money, they don't wait for the slip to be printed, they don't know it's going to be printed out. For myself, I have a dedicated vest pocket for chips when I leave a table. I've started putting all the slips for the change from my slot winnings in the same pocket. When I go to the cage to cash my chips, I have that stack of paper that probably I forgot was there, and I cash all the extra slot change slips at the same time, which often seems to annoy the person at the cage as they have to scan and then add up the slips worth just a few pennies each. I've told you several times that as a dreamer of dreams and a traveling man, I've chalked up many a mile. I've read dozens of books about heroes and crooks, and I've learned much from both of their styles. I've said that a dozen times probably. The new way of paying out slot winnings creates some hero or crook choices from time to time. For example, I'm waiting in line to cash a slot ticket. The person in front of me takes their paper money and walks away. Then the machine prints the slip with their coin payout. Do I use my knowledge and experience and tell them that they're leaving their money behind? Or do I let them walk away and add the slip of paper that should be theirs to my collection? Okay, look, I'm sometimes crook adjacent with things that I do once in a while, I admit I've been transparent and honest about that and let you decide for yourself, but I am not going to steal pennies based on someone else's lack of information about how something works in the casino. I always redirect them to their payout slip, which is why I wanted to bring this to your attention. I don't want any of you leaving winnings behind for someone else to benefit from, so I wanted to bring this to your attention. I also want to point out that understanding this process does allow you to profit in very small ways from time to time if you pay attention. I've walked past these machines and found the payout slip laying on the floor or hanging out of the slot in the machine. I've seen them sitting on the top of the machine when I cashed out a slot ticket as if someone else pulled it out and didn't want to bother with it. If there's no way to find out the owners of these, if there's no way to have any thought on who owns them, I see nothing wrong with adding those slips to my own and cashing them in. If the choice is either the casino keeps the money someone else won or I keep the money someone else won, in my mind, I'm being a hero and taking the house's money. That's how I see that one. As always, when it's a hero crook thing, if you make another choice, I'm not going to blame you. And if you see me in a different way, 
I'm not going to object to how you classify that. That's a you choice, not a me choice. I guess, okay, one more, one more thing. I told you one more thing. Let me give you one more, one more thing. Uh, kind of off the top of my head and off script. I'll get to our moment of casino wisdom in just a minute. I'll get there in a second. I hadn't intended to do this, but I've been thinking about something, and I just got a note before we started the podcast from Inner Circle member, the Leatherneck Hustler 6 to the ring, that lines up with what I've been thinking. So I'm just going to go ahead and do this. I've said a couple of times in the past, first, that I'm happy to take tips if you benefit from what I do and feel like tipping. If that's something you feel like doing, if I've helped you enough that you think a tip is warranted, I have things set up for that on the anchor.fm slash casino combat web page. And I appreciate those of you that have been kind enough to send tips my way. I've also said that I'm not asking you to email me for the slot tactics ebook or the decision chart or the other materials that we make available to you by way of Fred. And I'm not going to run through all those codes now. You can find those in other episodes. But I don't do all of that so that I can then come back to you and try to sell you something else. I don't have anything at this time to sell. Maybe at some point in the future that changes, but I don't have anything to sell. That's true as well. I don't have things to sell. But as an IT consultant, I do sell time, my time, by the hour or half hour. I'm happy to answer questions via email free of charge. Gamblers Helping Gamblers is what this is all about. And many of you have been generous with your time and your story. So it's only fair that if you email me, I'm happy to answer questions when you email. All of that being said, if you ever feel like you would like a more direct coaching experience from me, if you would like to discuss things very specific to your gambling, select them in detail, whether that's bankroll or game selection or problems you're having, if you think coaching time one-on-one with me in person would be valuable, I'm happy to do Zoom or Skype or Apple FaceTime and work with you on your specific gambling needs for the same rate that I charge my customers for my expertise in technology. Send me an email via trg at casinocombat.com and we can plan a time or times to do just that. I'll even give you the friends and family discount. I will. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, A professional gambler living in Las Vegas said to me on a call recently, people pay for music lessons to learn to play an instrument. Why not pay for lessons to learn how to gamble? If that interests you, I'm available. All right, the next item on our agenda is a moment of casino wisdom. Casino wisdom number 19 teaches us that if you have a choice, pick the better reward system for you. I've learned from Aussie Alba that choice isn't always an option. He lives in a state in Australia roughly half the size of the United States. And there's exactly one casino in the state, which means he is stuck with that reward system. He also shared with me that because the casino has basically a monopoly on gambling, the reward system is not very generous. Not a lot of comps are handed out. He shared the details of the system with me. It forces you to earn status every six months as my home casino does. And it looks tough from what he sent me. It looks like a system where you're not earning tiers very easily, where you're not advancing very far. And apparently they're not handing out a lot of goodies, which is another aspect of having a squared as a regular part of our squad. The points and comps portion of the casino combat process, system, method, whatever, um, it doesn't really work for him in that sense. Yet he is a regular listener, the biggest listener I have in Australia, from what he's told me, sometimes listens to episodes multiple times. 
I'm really grateful that he finds value in the other aspects of what I talk about. For those of you who do have choices, unlike Aussie Alba, I'm going to give you some... For those of you who do have choices, unlike Aussie Alba, I wanted to talk about understanding and comparing reward systems as part of selecting a casino, or in some cases, how you approach spending and gambling in a casino. I'm going to give you some examples as illustrations, but to do this for yourself, you need to look at each casino's reward system in detail to really understand it. This is another set of those numbers that you need to know if you're going to follow the most important of the casino wisdoms, number 99. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your gambling. These are other numbers you need to know, in my opinion. Most casinos have this information posted on their website, and all of them hand out the information in written form at the reward desk, at the member desk, at the club desk, whatever they, they happen to call it within their brand. But let me give you some examples of the kinds of things to look for. And I think that will make this all make a lot more sense, this concept that I'm talking about. First, an important and often overlooked part of a reward system and how you earn tier credits is tier credits earned for money spent in a casino. Not all reward systems do this, but most of the larger national brands in the United States do this and do it in a slightly different way. Different systems give you different amounts of tier credits for different kinds of spending. For instance, Caesars Entertainment gives five tier points for every dollar spent on a hotel room or resort fees, and one point for every dollar spent on other things at their properties. MGM has a different ratio of spending to tier points, but amazingly, if you are staying in one of their hotels and you charge everything to your room and you get the tier points for what you spent, even if at the end of the stay, a host comps the expenses off your bill. So that's an example of knowing how spending impacts you differently with different brands and how you might want to spend. If you're in a place like Las Vegas, Tunica, or Atlantic City, and you have both of those brands very near each other in those cities, Understanding these differences could be a big factor in deciding where you stay, where you dine, and where you gamble. With a reward system that gives tier points for money spent, it's important to not only know points can be earned that way, but be sure to be sure to present your player's card when buying anything. For example, many years ago, I bought, back when it was a big deal to have an MP3 player, I bought an MP3 player in the mall at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas with money I'd won in the casino. I don't get to Las Vegas often enough to worry much about tier points, but the clerk prompted me for my card at checkout, and the points added were actually enough to move me up to tier two in the reward system. It was a level up that didn't matter. Doesn't matter at all because I wasn't in Las Vegas again to use the benefits, but it illustrates the point. It's a good idea to understand if a reward system gives points for money spent and to spend accordingly and present your card if you do. If you're gonna buy something anyway and you can buy it from the casino for the same price and earn points doing it, why not buy it from the casino? That just seems to make sense to me. Obviously, another way that we earn tier credits is by gambling. But again, the details of how that is handled vary from brand to brand. Let me illustrate this using my local casino and Casino One as two brands to compare. I'm going to use those two properties because each of them is a local brand to me with no national affiliation. When comparing reward systems, an easy way to compare how gambling points are awarded 
without actually gambling is to look at how slot points are handled. This will be in the written materials. At my local casino, you receive three tier points for each dollar gambled in a slot machine. And to move from tier one to tier two, you need to earn 10,000 tier points. So at $3 per dollar gambled, that's pretty easy math. If we decide 10,000, <laughs> design. <laughs> If we divide 10,000 points by three, we see that a player needs to spend $3,333.34 with rounding to the nearest penny through a slot machine. We need to spend that through a slot machine, win or lose, to move from tier one to tier two at my local casino. Slot machines provide the casino with the largest advantage at the lowest cost and as a result provide the most points per dollar wagered. That doesn't mean it's the same at every casino. At Casino 1, you don't earn a point or points for each dollar gambled on slots. You earn a point for each $5 gambled on slot. You earn at a much slower pace, obviously. But you only need to earn 100 tier credits to move from Tier 1 to Tier 2 at Casino 1. So you need to gamble $500 through a slot machine, win or lose, to move Tier 1 to Tier 2 at Casino 1. For both of these casinos, the same pattern of points continues at the next level. You need 100,000 tier credits to get to Tier 3 at my local casino, and that's where the benefits start to actually matter. And you need to earn 2,000 tier credits at Casino 1 to get from Tier 2 to th Tier 3, and likewise, at their Tier 3, you start to get benefits that have some value. You can see that if these casinos were at a similar distance from someone, gambling at Casino 1 may make a lot more sense because the amount of money you need to put at risk to level up is significantly less. If you don't take the time to look at not only how many points you receive for an amount of gambling, but also how you earn points for things other than gambling and how many points you need to earn to level up, you can't really apply Casino Wisdom number 19 and decide which reward system is better for you. If you have choices, take some time to read the information and compare the details. If you're not getting the best value for what you gamble and spend, you can always switch brands at the start of a new earning period. That date will be part of the information on the reward system. We're going to do core concepts next, and I will give you another example of the application of my wagering system to always be grinding, as well as some advanced techniques I use with that system. Last week in episode 62, I taught you TRG Wagering System 2, Always Be Grinding, and used a computer blackjack simulator to demo how the wagering system plays. The feedback I've received has been generally positive, with several people mentioning that listening a second time with buttons, chips, or coins, as I suggested, on a table in front of them helped them understand it better. I also had a request for a video demonstrating the chip movement, and we are working on that for the YouTube channel. We're going to try to make that happen. We have links for that channel, by the way. We have links for that channel as well as our other social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at the top of the CasinoCombat.com website. If you find yourself using any of those resources, likes, subscribes, shares, reviews, stars, all that online stuff that you can donate to the podcast, really helps spread the word, and we really appreciate it. T-Rex and Billy with the great last name do a great job of keeping our online resources going. In our core concept this week, I want to first talk about a few advanced techniques 
that you can use with Always Be Grinding. And then I'll give you an additional example of the wagering system in play. The technique I want to talk about this week is something I call regrouping. I know nothing about actual fighting or combat techniques beyond those taught by a good game of risk. But in a sense, regrouping is based on the label regrouping is based off the concept of sometimes needing to retreat, rethink, and regroup a team to start something again or continue something. As such, there are a variety of ways I regroup when using Always Be Grinding in an actual casino setting. One example would be if I've won four or five units over the course of a shoe and then lost the last three hands of a shoe. If I'm not ready to leave the table, and that's neither a positive nor a negative exit in the way I gamble, and especially if I just started or if I'm gambling with my wife or a friend, I probably don't want to start the next shoe roughly halfway to a negative exit. In these situations, I'll regroup by taking three units off the win stack and adding them to the play stack to start the new shoe. Another way I use this technique is when Mrs. TRG and I are playing together. It's early in the evening and the casino is busy. Sometimes she will decide she has hit her negative exit and I have a profit, but I've not reached a positive exit point yet in my game. In that case, I'd rather not have us play separately. If we both get up from the table, we're just going to record our results, a small loss for her and a win larger than her loss for me. And then we're going to look around the casino for another table where we can play together and start the process all over. We already have a place where we can play together. So rather than do all of that, she will sit out the remainder of the shoe or visit the restroom or stop at the bar for more drinks. And when the end of the shoe is reached in just a few minutes, I'll record her loss reset her play stack using a portion of my win stack, and we will continue the new shoe at the same time, as if it were a new table for her and a continuation of the same table for me. Those are both examples that involve winning. Let me give you an example that involves losing. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm at my home casino on a weeknight, they have less tables open and my seat choices can be somewhat limited. I usually don't visit the cage after every table I play. When I leave the table, I record the results, put the chips in the correct pocket in my vest, and move on to the next activity. If that activity is gambling, I just do the buy-in with the chips I already have, if that's possible. From time to time, I then find myself finishing a shoe without a win stack, or with a win stack that with just a chip or two in it, and the play stack is down maybe five units, usually because of a split or a double not winning right at the end of the shoe. That's when I find myself doing this. It's not that the shoe is going bad, it's that right at the end of the shoe, I had some additional money at risk and I didn't win money. Particularly if I've had a winning evening to that point, I'll move the chips from the win stack over. I'll record the loss while the shoe is being shuffled and add chips from my pocket to the play stack to completely rebuild it. If you start a shoe with a play stack of only five units instead of 10 and a commitment to only losing seven units total, you're not giving yourself much of a chance for success. You're almost better off taking the very small loss and ending your evening if you're gonna to attempt to come back from, from that loss with just two units. Regrouping in this situation gives you a reasonable chance of winning back what is really just a minor three unit loss. So that's regrouping. TRG Wagering System 2 is intended to keep you at a table gambling when your casino or table choices are limited. This money management addition to the system works to satisfy that goal, while at the same time accurately recording your losses and your buy-ins or your wins and your buy-ins. I'm going to do this week's play demonstration of the wagering system the same way I did last week's demonstration. I have chips set up with a play stack of $25 chips, and I have extra chips to build a win stack with. 
to create organic results that resemble real casino results as closely as possible, I have a second computer running a blackjack app that is set up to match the rules at my home casino, Casino 2. The app will play the hand of four other players at the virtual table with me. At this moment, none of us know what the results will be. I'm simply going to play, move the chips, and record the results as part of the script to do the podcast. Here goes. My first hand was a hard 15. And I stood against a dealer's five and then lost to a four card 21. So that's one unit, $10 lost. And the next bet is $10 from the $90 stack, which becomes 80. My next hand is a blackjack and the dealer has a five. So I receive a three to two payout of $15. After rebuilding the play stack back to 10 units, my abacus says I have one chip or $5 to use to start my win stack. The conditions for starting a positive progression in TRG Wagering System 2 is winning two hands in a row and adding chips to the win stack. Although I added chips to the win stack, I did not win two hands in a row, so the next bet is still just $10. The play stack is $90, and the win stack sits at $5. I was dealt a two-card 20 against a dealer's 10, and the dealer had an 8-under, so that is a win for me, which goes in the win stack. That is two wins in a row. We added chips to the win stack. So half of my original bet, $5, is added to my bet from the win stack. So the play stack stays at 90, the win stack sits at $10, and the bet on the next hand is $15. I started with an ace and a 4 for 5 or 15 and drew an 8 for 13 to stand. The dealer drew a 4 card 18 and I lost, ending the progressive wagering sequence. And returning my bet for the next hand to $10, with an $80 play stack and the win stack sitting at $10. Next hand, I stood on 14 with a dealer showing a 5. The dealer again drew a 4-card 18, and I lost. So the win stack is unchanged. The play stack now sits at $70, and the bet is still $10. I received a 2-card 19, and the dealer has a 6 showing. The dealer drew and busted. So I win, and my bet and the money I won rebuild the play stack so I can use my abacus, use my... Playstack as my abacus to make the next bet. I won after losing, and my playstack is short one unit at $90, so I need to start the negative side of the wagering system by making a two-unit or $20 bet. I received a two-card 20, and the dealer had a three showing and busted, so I win $20. When I rebuild my playstack, I have an extra $10 that goes in the win stack. That's two wins in a row, and the money added to the win stack, so that switches us from regressive wagering to the progressive part of the system, and we're making progressive wagers now. In this case, the next bet is $10 from the playstack and $5 from the win stack to make a $15 bet with the playstack at $90 and and the win stack at $15. I receive a 9 and a 2 for a total of 11, and the dealer has a jack showing. The correct basic strategy play is to double, and I make that double the same way I made the bet with $10 from the play stack and $5 from the win stack. I received a 10 for a total of 21, and the dealer had 8 under for a total of 18. I win the bet and the double. After rebuilding my play stack as my abacus, I add six chips to my win stack, which is now $45. My next bet continues the progressive wagering with a $20 bet. $10 of that coming from the play stack, which now sits at $90 again, and another $10 coming from the win stack. My hand has a total, my hand is a three card 17, and the dealer 
had a two-card 20, so I lost. And the next bet is back to $10 from the play stack. The progressive side of the wagering process is finished. I start with a hard 13 against a dealer's 10 and drew a 10 to bust and lose the bet. My next bet is again $10. I was dead a total of 12. The dealer had a blackjack, so that is another loss and another $10 bet. The play stack sits at $60. The win stack is unchanged. I receive a hard 13 against a dealer's 4 which turned into a 10 and then a 17 for the dealer and a lost bet for me. My next bet is again $10 and we are still grinding. I started with a hard 12, drew an ace, and then a six for a total of 19 versus a dealer's nine. The dealer had a 10 under and so we push. The bet and all the stacks remain the same for the next hand. My next hand was a hard 17 against the dealer's 10 with the dealer having a two card 20 and I lost. I'm down to two bets remaining before I hit my negative exit point. The play stack is at $40 after I make the next bet. The win stack sits at $35. I get a hard 12 against a dealer's three, which is a basic strategy hit. I was dealt a 10 and lost. So last bet of $10 before a negative exit, assuming I don't win the hand. I drew two cards to build a total of 18 against a dealer's eight showing. The dealer had a four under, Drew two cards and busted, so I won a hand. I really need no abacus for this. The next bet is $20 as we start our negative progression, and it's still the last bet if I lose. I receive a 7 and a 4 for a total of 11 against a dealer's 10. Once again, this is a basic strategy double. All of the money comes from the play stack, leaving it with only $10 if I don't win the hand. Once again, this is why the bankroll is structured the way it is with 10 units and the negative exit is structured the way it is at seven units. This is the way the system is supposed to play. I got a seven on my double for a total of 18 and the dealer had a three underneath, three plus 10, 13. He busted after drawing five cards. I win a much needed $40. Then I rebuild the abacus. The play stack is $90. The next regressive wager would be $30, but I don't need to bet that much to win one unit, and the goal of each sequence is in always be grinding is to win one unit. Note that three units is the largest regressive wager I'm willing to make, and in our examples, we have yet to see that bet be needed to earn, and, and what I mean by all that is this is a very conservative system. This is a very protective system. This is not an aggressive system to see how much money you can earn, win, take, whatever words you want to pick. The goal is to earn one unit and to stay in the game for extended periods of time, getting extended amounts of points and finishing at the end of the month with a win. To earn one unit, I only need to bet $20. So that's the bet, all from the play stack. I got a 14 against the dealer's four, but the dealer busted with a total of 22. There was a bit of drama on this hand, however. The player to my right at the imaginary table generated by the computer started with a pair of threes, which is basic strategy. That's a split. But instead of splitting, they hit and drew an ace for a total of seven or 17. A soft 17 is always a book hit. It is easy, one of the easiest basic strategy plays to remember. A soft 17 is always a hit, sometimes a double, but in this case, you can't double its three cards. This player decided to stay on basically a total of seven, 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 seven. They stayed on a seven. It's a rookie move. It's a good job of coding an app by the developer. But it is the kind of move that annoys players in real life if things go poorly as a result. 
a very interesting sequence we got there. The computer did a great job. From at one point, doubling with only one chip left in the play stack, all the way back to adding to the win stack, which sits at $45. And of course, the play stack is back to $45. I won way more than two in a row. We added to the win stack. So now we go once again from regressive betting to progressive betting with $10 from the play stack and $5 from the win stack. My hand was an ace and an eight for a total of 19, and the dealer had a six. Unfortunately, the dealer had a six underneath and drew a nine for a total, total of 21, a loss for me. The win stack is at 40, the play stack is at 90, the next bet is the basic $10 bet. I got a blackjack, so that puts me my play stack back at 100 and adds $5 to the win stack, taking it to $45. But I didn't win two in a row, so the next bet is just $10 again. I ended up with a four-card 18 and lost to the dealer having a three-card 20. So the next bet is $10 again. I busted, and the dealer had a two-card 20. The next bet is again $10. I had a 20. The dealer busted with a three-card 24, so a win, and the next bet is $20 all from the play stack as we start regressive betting to get to a 10 unit profit for this sequence. The play stack is at $70. My hard 15 against the dealer's 10 busted when I drew a 10. So the next bet is 20 again and the play stack is down to $50 with that bet made. Once again, the computer continues to generate interesting hands. I had a hard 11 against a dealer's 10, which we learned earlier is a basic strategy double, leaving the play stack at $30. This is again the last bet before a negative exit if it's a losing hand. I drew a 10, and the dealer had a four under, and the dealer busted, so a win for me, and time to rebuild the play stack so my abacus can tell me the next bet. Mission accomplished. My abacus tells me I have a one unit profit for the sequence to add to the win stack. My win stack goes to 55 and five comes off to be part of the next bet since we won two in a row and added to the win stack and we are now betting progressively again. Kind of seeing this neat swing between progressive and regressive, progressive and regressive. The computer's doing a nice job. My 12 busted when I drew a 10 against a dealer's 10. That ends the progressive sequence and the next bet is $10. I stood on a two card 18 and lost to a two card 19. The $10 bet again, and the play stack is at 7 units. I hit a hard 15 against a dealer's 9 and drew a 6 for 21, which beats the dealer's 19. My next bet is a regressive bet of $20. I have a jack and a king for 20 against a dealer's 10 with a 3 under, and the dealer draws a 4 for 17, and I win. When I restack the play stack, my abacus tells me I finished the regressive sequence by adding $10 to the win stack. So with two wins in a row, once again, I swing from regressive betting to progressive betting. That's $10 from my play stack and five from the win stack. The play stack is at 90. The win stack is at 55. I had a four card 17 and the dealer had the same hand with two cards. So a push and nothing in any of our stacks changes. I have an ace and a five, which is six or 16. And the dealer has a nine. I hit and get a two. So I have a soft 18 against a nine, the toughest hand in blackjack in my opinion. Basic strategy says that's a hit. I get a five for 13 and have to hit that and then I get a 10 and I bust, so I lost. The progressive sequence ends and the next bet is $10. I lose standing on 19 versus a 10 showing because the dealer has 20 when he reveals his hand. Next bet, $10, and that leaves the remaining play stack at $70. My two card 17 loses to a dealer blackjack. My next bet is $10. I have 15 against the dealer's eight. I draw and bust to lose the hand. The next bet, $10 again. We are certainly grinding. A pair of sixes against a dealer's five. That's a basic strategy split. An ace on the first hand is a double. I draw a six for 13. The next hand receives 
a 4 for 10, that's also a double, an 8 for 18. The dealer has a 9 under for 14 and draws a 10 and busts. Once again, after a long string of losses and almost hitting a negative exit, after that win, my play stack is back to $100 again. I'm going to pause here for just a second and make an observation. Roulette or Baccarat with this wagering system, those games don't put you in situations where you're quickly exposed for four units like that, as we've seen happen several times in this illustration. But at the same time, those games don't let you come back quickly by winning four units on one wager. We've seen that type of quick reversal multiple times as I've gone through this. That hand put the play stack back together, but we neither won, we neither have a win nor a loss. We're neither progressing or regressing. It's just another $10 bet. I receive 16 and stand against a three. The dealer has three under and draws an ace for 17. I lose and I bet $10. My three card 19 against a nine loses when the dealer draws to 20. The next bet is $10. My 11 against nine is a basic strategy double. I get a 10 for 21 and win. My play stack is back to $100 and the next bet is $10. Notice here how long we've gone without actually adding anything to the win stack. This system is intended to keep you in the game for long periods of time. I have 16. Stand against a 2, the dealer builds a 4 card 20, and I lose. My next bet is $10. I double my hand, which is ace and 5, versus a dealer's 5, and draw a 10. The dealer built a 4 card 19. I lose 2 units, and the next bet is $10 again. The play stack is down to $60 after I make that bet. My 12 against a dealer's 3 is a basic strategy hit. I get a 10 and bust, and lose. My next bet is $10. I'm dealt an 18 against a dealer's five. I stand, the dealer busts, and I win. So after losing and then winning a hand, I start regressive wagering with that win after many losses. And my next bet is $20, all from the win stack. I have a 13 against a dealer's four showing. The dealer builds a three card 19, and I lose. I make another $20 wager. Note that I'm not dropping back to $10 wagers. I started the regressive part of the system and the bet remains the same until I lose a hand and add another unit or until I reach a negative exit, which I will if I lose this next hand. After making the bet, my play stack sits at $30. I receive a 10 and a queen. The dealer has an ace showing and flips a, flips a jack for 21. I lose. I have a negative exit. I leave the table. When I open up my app and record my results, my win stack was at $55 and I walked away with 30 left in my play stack. So that's a total of $85. I lost $15 or one and a half units for the table. So if last, let's kind of imaginarily, these were imaginary tables, but let's imagine that those two tables took place at a real casino. If the last episode was the first table, we finished the two tables of our visit to the casino with a loss of one unit. And so let's put that in perspective of an evening or a weekend as the start of something. I played a table for what would have been at least 30 or 40 minutes in real life, maybe more depending on how much time was spent with buy-ins and color-ups and dealer changes. Then I took a break. If this was a real casino, I probably went and had dinner and played again for a longer period of time at the next table, the table that we just went through. I've had fun. I've earned tier credits. If or when a host looks at my play, they're going to be happy. It's still very early in the evening, plenty of time at this point to get a drink at the bar or listen to the band a little bit or play a slot machine and then find the next table. My bankroll of $300 to play three tables has not been 
placed at meaningful risk at any point in this imaginary casino visit. If this is a solo overnight trip, my room is comped. I used free imaginary tax-free money to comp my dinner. If I'm at my home casino, any drinks at the table were also comped. I've lost and spent one unit so far on this imaginary casino trip and received hundreds of dollars in comps. If this was a real visit, there is probably a free bet or some free slot play involved here as well that I've used. I've also earned tier credits and played enough that the next time I want to come back, the house says, sure, TRG, your room will be ready. Of course, I've earned more free, imaginary, tax-free money to spend on my next visit as well. That's a great illustration. It's a great way to think about these two imaginary table visits in the context of a larger casino stay and what that stay would have been like. Obviously, it's different if I'm at my local casino. I've collected a free bet. I've gotten a parking comp. I maybe have money to get lunch with or dinner with or brunch with. And I've played two tables and I've lost one unit. And I'm now at this point, you know, remember the house's advantage, infinite time, infinite money. If those imaginary tables had been done at my local casino, I'm just looking for the next casino. No, I'm looking for the next table. I'm not looking at the next casino. <laughs> that was poorly written. Um, okay, if you're ready, the travel segment is next. Let's find out how things went last week and what my results were. Okay, this should be a quick one. Should be a quick segment. Early in the week, I did some local gambling. I stopped at the slots-only racetrack for some free play, but more importantly, they were doing Tier 3 appreciation. I'm Tier 3 for the rest of the year as a result of the, the craps I played for points at the end of last year. This is my first chance to see what appreciation looks like at this slot parlor, so I wanted to make a plan to plan around promotions for the rest of the year. They appreciate me to the tune of $5 in free slot play. So I know not to bother with this promotion for the rest of the year unless I can combine it with other offers on the same day. An example of that would be that right now I have $30 of free slot play every week and a food comp every other week at this property. This is a place I drive within two stoplights of a couple of times a week as part of my IT consulting work. Next month, if I have the same promotion, it would make sense to stop on appreciation day for my free play for the week and add my appreciation free play to that, to that $30 for $35 and get lunch. That makes sense from a comp hustling point of view. What would not make sense would be to make a second visit in the same week to get $5 of appreciation. I'll be honest, I was a little shocked. I was a little eh, annoyed isn't the right word. Um, this brand, this casino brand with their two casinos, one full service and one slot parlor, I often say to Gabriel, they live down to my expectations. I have low expectations and they never fail to be lower than the low level I expect them to be in how they treat guests. Once again, if you're doing appreciation for me and you think $5 in appreciation isn't an insult, we just have a disconnect there. We have a real disconnect there. Back on topic. Since I'd finished work for the day, it was mystery gift day at my local casino. I stopped there to get a mystery gift. Hoped I'd see Gabriel. I didn't. You know, mystery gift usually means we got extra stuff that we didn't give away the first time. It was the official gift. So now come take the to take the other stuff off our hands. Come get another something that we already gave away and had extra of. I was actually pretty happy with the gift. 
which was in addition to a free bet and a parking comp. I got an emergency uh, uh, roadside car kit. I'd got one of those a couple months ago and appreciated having it in the back of my SUV. It's a very complete set, including decent jumper cables and some hand tools. It's a nice thing to have in the car. It doesn't take up much room. It's well put together. And side note, unrelated to anything, I recently, and it's not kind of unrelated to anything, I recently decided I was putting too many miles on my SUV, which is officially my work vehicle. And with the long casino trips, the longer trips Mrs. TRG and I have been taking, now that we're back to working again and using the vehicle for work, I'm putting too many miles on it. I, I sold a car I had in storage to my youngest son, and then I picked up a used car that Gabriel and I are, are calling the TRG Mobile just as a toy to take casino trips on. I kind of turned an asset that was in storage into something my son's been wanting to buy for a while, and then I turned that money into a vehicle that, that is good for driving and having fun is fun in. Um, I, I may post some pictures on Instagram. I don't want to turn that into, into a thing necessarily. But the, the point is, I made a mental note that with this used car that I really don't know the whole history of, I wanted to move the, the, the emergency roadside kit from the SUV to that car for trips out of town that we make with the car. Now I have a kit in each car. And I don't have to worry about remembering to do that before and after each trip. From a gambling point of view, the blackjack was great. I played one very, very hot shoe. I not only won enough hands in a row to reach a two and a half unit progressive wager. We haven't seen anything nearly that big in the examples we've done, but I won that two and a half unit bet and then made the same bet again because I was at that level, doubled it and won again. And then the hand after that was also a double up that level. And I won that again. So it was a very, very hot table. I just won and won and won and won. Things went really cold to start the next shoe. And I just quickly lost three hands and protected my win and left the table with a very nice profit. And I took half of what I had won and decided that that would make good money to fund my education with some more gambling at a craps table and didn't play very long, actually. Uh, the shooter right before me did well. And then I also did well. And I left the building with a nice profit for, for the day and put some money in the bank. We were having work done on our house last weekend, and that was my only gambling for the week. So I finished with a profit after expenses of just over two days pay for the week. Not, uh, not a bad week at all. Uh, for as little gambling as I did, really kind of a nice profit. Our next segment will, as always, be our final segment, and we will be in the virtual VIP lounge. And uh, an interesting for story for you when we get there next. A little bit of the bubbly. Thanks for joining me in the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge, where we have virtually the best of everything virtually all the time. If you have not visited before, hanging around real VIP lounges in real casinos is one of my favorite things to do. It's amazing how often I have friends there I've met in the past, and meeting new friends and swapping stories is a standard part of the experience. So today's going to be a root beer day for me, but it is a locally bottled, handcrafted root beer, an excellent root beer. I hope you will pour something for yourself and join me for a drink as I share this story. I want to set the stage on this one with some items mostly unrelated to the gambling part of the story, but they're gambling adjacent. I did play some really horrible blackjack on purpose, but how we got to that point offers what I think is an interesting perspective on how people who don't gamble or who don't gamble at a high enough level to get comped and do the comp hustle, see things differently from people who do gamble or those of us who do gamble and understand that there's ways to win besides just winning money. 
And this is also a bit of perspective, I guess, on how TR Mrs. TRG has been a bit spoiled over time by this thing. She's gotten used to it. She now sees it from the gambler point of view to the point that she makes decisions that don't necessarily make sense to her sisters who don't gamble. So I'm going to give you that background. Probably about 10 years ago, when I was going to Casino One almost every week, Bubba invited myself and Mrs. TRG to see Rick Springfield perform. Our hotel room would be comped. We'd be seated in a VIP section with waitresses supplying free food and free drinks during the show. Don't know how familiar you are with Rick Springfield's music. He didn't have, in my opinion, a huge musical career. His hits were Jesse's Girl and Don't Talk to Strangers. But he had a decent career as an actor with a long run on a soap opera that Mrs. TRG watched growing up. At this point, our children were almost adults. Two in high school and driving, one in junior high. They were more than capable of taking care of themselves on a summer Saturday if the two of us took an overnight trip just a couple hours away. Given all of that, I was surprised, I really was, when Mrs. TRG heard about the invitation and said she wasn't interested in going. But I wasn't ever a huge Mr. Springfield fan. I'm never a big fan of his, so it wasn't a big deal to me, and I didn't accept Bubba's invitation. And this is where the difference in perspective comes into play. Later, a couple of weeks before the concert, my wife is talking on the phone with her older sister. She is saying that we don't really have much going on. It's going to kind of be, you know... A, a lazy period of time before she goes back to school that we were invited to the concert, but it was just Rick Springfield. So we were not going. And her sister made some comment about, yeah, concerts can be expensive. And my wife says, no, that's not it. And she explains about the comps involved. And her sister kind of stops her in, in mid sentence and says, wait, what, what? They're, they're giving you a free concert and a free hotel room and VIP seats with free drinks and free food. And you're not going. Are you nuts? Why wouldn't you do that? Who cares if he only had a few hits? Why wouldn't you go? At least that's the way Mrs. TRG recounted the conversation to me when she kind of sheepishly asked if Bubba would still give us tickets because after talking to her sister and hearing that other perspective, now she wanted to go. And I do understand a little bit. Prior to this, Bubba had given us tickets to see Jimmy Buffett, one of my favorite bands, one of our favorite bands, and Leonard Skinner and... Lady Antebellum and Bad Company, much bigger acts than Rick Springfield, once again, in my opinion. So seeing Rick didn't seem like a big deal to my wife. To her sister, this seemed like an amazing opportunity for a night out and a hotel stay at no cost. A gambler's perspective versus a non-gambler's perspective, as I said. Bubba took care of us. We went two hours south and east to see the show. Casino One is a small resort and casino, kind of in the middle of nowhere at a horse racetrack. Honestly, other than a gentleman's club across the street, the next closest business is a Subway, it's a sandwich shop, for those of you not familiar, and a dollar store um, about a mile away. As a result, they really overdid the VIP treatment for this concert. Between the hotel and the concert venue was about two football fields of parking lot, roughly that size. If you took two football fields and put them side by side, not end to end, that's about the difference involved. It would have been an easy walk on a summer evening. Wouldn't have been any big deal. Instead, we were driven by a suit-wearing driver in a limousine with another couple from the front door of the hotel to the front door of the venue with a special line that allowed us to enter ahead of the line of people waiting to get in. It was completely absurd and unnecessary from my point of view. To extend the absurdity, the limo was stocked with water and beer for this short little drive. Of course, 
The other couple, experienced casino people, I'm sure, tipped the driver right away and asked if he would circle the property a few times so we could all enjoy a beer on our way to the concert. And of course, you know that's exactly what happened. A short walk became a, a 10 or 15 minute ride around the property so we could slam some Coors Light before going to the concert, which is completely ridiculous because they were more than happy to bring us beers all during the concert. It made no sense. It is a fun kind of interesting side part of the story. In hindsight, those beers may have influenced my choices later in the evening if I'm being completely honest. The concert was fine. I was amused by the number of older women, and by older women I mean older than me, trying to sneak into the VIP section to get as close as possible to Mr. Springfield. Mrs. TRG got to see him very up close and personal when he danced and sang part of his song on top of one of our tables. As I said, the concert was fine. After the concert, every table in the casino was open as the place filled up quickly with people leaving the concert, which is the point of them having the concert there in the first place, obviously. Mrs. TRG was thrilled when we found a $5 blackjack table, and we sat down together at the last two seats at a full table. Despite it being a $5 table, I was playing at what was at that time my normal level. The last thing I intended to do was play smaller and not justify Bubba's very generous last-minute comps. So my bets are between $25 and $110 using a $25 unit and TRG wagering system 1, which is what I was playing at the time, and I'm doing that at this $5 table. A few hands in, I have a $110 bet out, and a clown playing the first spot doubles a 6 against a dealer 7 and gets a 4 for a total of 10. Of course, the card after that was a good card for him. The card that he should have taken was a 10, and I'm glaring at him because of his stupid play, and his stupid play ruins the hand for everyone and costs me $110. And he sees me glaring at him, and he looks at me, and I'm sorry for the mocking here, I am, but I'm going to use the voice that he used. He looks at me and he says, What? It's only $5. And I'd like to think I'm older and wiser now, but I'm not sure I am. I did, however, to my credit, use Casino Wisdom number six. There was a problem, a big problem. This guy's stupidity had just cost me money. So I found a casino solution. Having lost three in a row, I was going to be done anyway, at least until the end of the shoe. I turned my remaining green chips into $5 red chips and started making flat $5 bets. I'm playing the last spot. I'm kind of controlling the game. And any time... I couldn't hurt Mrs. TRG's hand because either she'd busted or she'd received a blackjack or had a solid hand of 20. I would make the most ridiculous plays I could find. I doubled 18 against a dealer's 10. I stood on a total of 5 against a dealer's 8 showing. I split 5s against a dealer's 7. Every time this dude at the end of the table, this fool, would look at me and I would look back at him and I would say, What? It's only $5. For me, it was only $5. Prior to this, I hadn't played a $5 blackjack table in at least a decade. I doubt I've played a $5 hand since then. He lost his $30 buy-in fairly quickly and left the table very annoyed at me for the way I played. I bought back in. We had a very nice evening. Won a decent amount of money once I had implemented my casino solution and gotten the table to a group of decent players. Childish, childish to be sure, a bit over-aggressive perhaps, but fun at the time and a fun story. I still to this day hear his snide, it's only $5, in my head every time I think about the concert. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are lucky number seven in this episode. Please, please, please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host... 
tip your hosts. We'll talk about that at some point in the future about how that's done. But don't tip away your wins. That's the most important part. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone.